0: So up to Mishnah 3, in Perkiyavu's first chapter. Antignus, Ish Soichai, Antignus, the man from Sochal, Kibel He received the tradition from Shemana Tzaddik. He is the next in the line of the transmission. Who Haya and he used to say, Al Tiyu Ka'avodim, Do not be like slaves. Ham Shamashin Asharov that serve the master Aminas Lakabel Pras on the condition that they receive a reward. Ella, rather, Hevuka vodim, Rather, be like slaves that serve the Master. Not for the sake of receiving a reward. And let the fear of heaven be upon you. So just like the previous sessions, we want to go through and just before we start discussing what does he mean, just what did he say? So Antigna, she's going to come out that he said three things, and we're going to have to analyze these three things, because as we go on, what we will notice, hopefully, is that not only will you notice a redundancy, but there will also be a contradiction. He starts out by saying, point one, do not be like slaves that serve the master for the sake of the reward. That's the first thing he said. The second thing he said was, be like slaves that serve the Master, not for the sake of a reward. Now, that would seem redundant. If you analyze what... If someone says, don't be like a slave that serves the Master for the sake of a reward, you can make the inference. Be like a slave that serves the Master, not for the sake of a reward. So the second part seems somewhat redundant. And then the third part... Let the fear of heaven be upon you, seems almost contradictory if we understand what a slave is, and a reverse, I'm sorry, if we understand what a reward is, and if we understand what fear is, they go hand in hand. All right, so let's begin. The first thing that Antigonus Yisuke said was don't be like a slave that serves the Master for the sake of a reward. So before we discuss what Antigonus himself said, let's just understand why we do the things we do. Most people do things for a variety of reasons. Obviously, there's a whole variety of reasons why we do the things we do, and everyone has their own motivations and everyone has their own reasons for the choices that they make. But nonetheless... Suffice it to say that there's somewhat of a universal approach to life that people go through. And most people do things for one of three things. The most common reason that people do things is because of self-interest. We spoke about this, I think, last week. A positive sense of selfishness and a negative sense of selfishness. But most people do things because they believe that the choices they make will give them pleasure. Every choice you make overwhelmingly in life is a choice that you make because you believe that that choice will give you more pleasure in life. Whether it's momentary pleasure, whether it's long-lasting pleasure, that's irrelevant. But you believe that that choice will give you pleasure. There's a second reason why we do things. And the second reason why we do things is because all too often, I won't say most of the time, but all too often we do things simply because we do things. With no rhyme or reason whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we do things simply because we do them out of habit and rote. We are on autopilot. And Tignesh Yitzcholcho is telling you Do not do things for either of those reasons because neither of them are the way a person should live their life. Rather, he is saying that there's a third reason that we should do things. There's a third reason that we should do things and that's because we should do them because they're right. We should do them because it's the right thing to do regardless of whether it's going to give me pleasure or not, regardless if it's something that I've been doing my whole life. I should consciously choose to do it simply because it's the right thing to do. And Tignashi is telling you right off the bat that when you do things in this world, the choices you make should be choices that are there because they are right and because they are meaningful. What Antigna Rishi Sochu is telling us is that we should all understand what it is that we're living for, i.e., we should all have a cause. What is my life about? And that should dictate the choices that I make. You know, we just got through a political season, and I will not discuss politics, I do not discuss politics, so don't, do not worry, do not worry, but because we just got through the political season, I will give an example that my Rebbe gave all the time when discussing this idea, he says, how refreshing would it be if a president running, a candidate for presidency got up there and said, I want to be president because I like power. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to be president because it would be really cool to fly everywhere I go in Air Force One. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Which, by the way, I really think that would be cool. Can you imagine Mm -hmm. if you got to go in Air Force One? There are two dreams I have, and I'm hoping that one day one of my students will be in a position that they can get this. I want to fly in Air Force One just one time. (laughs) <laughs> and I want to be invited to the Hanukkah party at the White House. Oh, <laughs> and it just hasn't happened yet. I almost had an invite one year, and it was, oh, wow. it was and, and the person, I'm not sure which is worse, to taste it that that was that close or just oh. not to have been told at all. He told me after the fact, he says, you were on the list, but I had to give it to someone else. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, why tell me that? Oh. All right. But imagine if, wouldn't that be so refreshing? No, not, we probably wouldn't vote for the person, but it would be so refreshing just to know wow, someone's telling the truth. They're doing this not because, but what do we want to hear? Whether they mean it or not, it doesn't matter, but this is what we want to hear. We want someone to get up there and say, I care about America. I care about the people of America. I want us to have prosperity. I want us to have good jobs. I want us to be able to live secure. That's what we want to hear. And we want, deep down, we hope that they actually meant it. (laughs) That's why a person should run for president. That's why a person should run for any public office. Why? Because of the cause. Mm -hmm. Because of the meaning behind it. And Tignash Nashi's is saying that don't relegate that to just something of that stature. That should be your life. Your whole life, every decision you make should be a choice of I'm doing this because of the meaning behind it. Not because of any personal gain that it's going to get me. Not because of any self-interest. Too often we always think about the self-interest, the personal gain. And by the way, he's obviously speaking about the ultimate personal gain that we spoke about last week's, in last week's Mishnah. The idea of a relationship with Hashem. The ultimate reward in Judaism is you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to Olam Haba. Don't do things to get to heaven. Can you imagine how cynical would it be if someone comes over to you and asks you, you know, if they can help you and they do such a nice thing. And, and, they, and afterwards you say, oh, that's so nice. Why, why did you help me? Oh, because I want reward in heaven.
1: <laughs>
0: you know. It just just wouldn't, afterwards you'd feel, oh, okay, so I was just like this, this, yeah. Yeah. It just, it it gave it a bad taste. It's all of a sudden, you went from having this enamorous feeling for this person, wow, that was so nice, (laughs) to, oh, wait a second, I'm just a tool, I'm just this, I'm a pawn in your picture. You don't do things because of the reward that it's going to get you, you do things because they're right. Anyone who is a parent hopefully knows this to be so true. We do things for our children. Not so that they smile and say thank you to us. They better do that. And we hope that they do that. It doesn't always work. But we do it because we know it's the right thing to do as a parent. We have to do things for our children. And often, in too many situations, we do things despite of the lack of gratitude that we get as a result. So
1: then why do we say-
0: Why do we become parents? Oh, that's
1: no. A- <laughs> um, so... Inventory, I want to show. Says choose life. Mm-hmm. Like we, um, there's, yes. there's always the, the the reward. Hashem is yes. constantly telling us do this because it's do good for you. Do this brain. because
0: it's good for you. Absolutely. And,
1: this, and when we say the Shema three times a day,
0: because the rain day. in your seasons. Right. That's right. So
1: it's, it's constantly saying you do this cause and effect. Okay. You do that. So Hashem knows that we are motivated by self
0: Absolutely.
1: So it's not a bad thing to be motivated.
0: Not at by all. Who
1: we are as people.
0: Not at all. And we did we slightly addressed that. Yeah. We slightly addressed that last week. I, the only thing I could say to you is is hold that point until the end of the Mishnah. Okay. Um, because, as I said, there seems to be a contradiction in the Mishnah. There seems to be a contradiction between the statement and, yes, many things that we see in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, Antigonus is telling us that this is a healthier way to live life. You know, the other day, I had to take one of my daughters to... Uh, to a doctor's office and as we were leaving we got to the elevator and I realized I had left my keys in the office on the couch in the waiting room um my, my children, many of them have gotten to the age where I'm now the chauffeur and, no, I'm not allowed in the room with them. It doesn't even matter if it's a dentist. that No, you wait in the lobby, and I go in now, Daddy. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so, but please, and then, of course, I have the whole litany of questions that have to be asked for my wife, so now it's like this whole dilemma. <laughs> so I have to stand in the lobby, all right, please make sure to ask this and ask this and ask this, because otherwise I will get in trouble. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So either way, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble if I go in. I'm in trouble if I don't go in. Six girls. And a, and a wife, sure. yes. So anyway, so I left my keys, and I'm walking to the elevator. I realize I left my keys, and I, I said to my daughter, I said, "Oh, would you run back to the office and and grab my keys? I left them on the on the sofa." And I could see she just didn't look happy with that, and and so I thought she thought that it was not, I said, I said, "Oh no, I'm just my legs are tired. I'm not being. I'm not just asking you to do something. I'm just I'm tired." She says, "No, but it's embarrassing." And I went, okay, fine. <laughs> and I, and I, walk, I said I'll go. She says, no, I'll walk with you. And I said, okay. And I just, thought, and I went in. I grabbed the keys, and we walked out. And I said, I said, it not so embarrassing. And she said something very interesting. She says, I guess when you get older, you don't care. You have no emotions. And you don't care about things. <laughs> and it dawned on me what she was saying. I think, and I said. It's not that we have no emotions when we get older. On the contrary, our emotions become more accentuated in many areas, but hopefully they become more refined as we get older. And I realized what she was saying, that that when you're young, and for many people this tragically just continues into their adult life, you care so much about how the outside world looks at you. You care so much about what people think about you. And we care so much about, are we living up to the image that we believe we should be? I said to her, I said, do you know where embarrassment comes from? And the conversation ended there because she didn't want to hear it. She she didn't want the lecture at that point. But but I'll share with you and maybe one day she'll listen to this. (laughs) Embarrassment, the reason we get embarrassed it's very simple. We see this from the story of Gan Aden with Adam and Chava. After they ate from the tree, after they ate from the eight hadas, it says that they were embarrassed and they were ashamed that they were naked. However, if you take a careful look at the story, they were well aware that they were naked already. It's very clear from the context of the story that they were naked and they knew that they were naked because the Torah tells us that before the story even began. It says that they were naked and they were not ashamed. Well, why tell us that they were not ashamed unless they're aware of their nakedness? So clearly, they knew they were naked, and now all of a sudden they're ashamed that they're naked. The fact that they're naked is not what gives shame. Something else happened. The reason we get embarrassed is because of the following. That anytime we feel a sense of embarrassment and shame is because we have an expectation of the way we should or shouldn't be and we have not lived up to that expectation. If I were to ask any of you to do something, go to a pool hall with your husband for a date night to play some pool or to an arcade and you don't know how to play pool, you don't know how to hold the cue stick, do you get embarrassed? When your husband hands you the pool cue, well, that all depends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you should know how? If you don't think you should know how, then there will not be any sense of shame. If I were to give you, if do any of you feel a sense of shame that you don't know how to do brain so, surgery? I'm
1: having a hard time. Shame is different to me than embarrassment. Shame is almost a whereas embarrassment is just more of a neutral. I, you know
0: what I'm okay. saying? Um, for this purposes, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but for this conversation, I'm going I'm to leave them as the same. There's a subtlety that you are pointing out, but they are rooted in the same thing, uh, um, that, that the difference between embarrassment and shame. Um, when someone asks you if you can do brain surgery, you're not, there's no sense of uh, feeling of, oh, I should know how to do that. And, and you feel awkward. You know, I don't know how to do brain surgery.
1: There are people like that who
0: believe that they should. They, oh, there are people who like that. That's right.
1: They're seriously difficult to
0: get along with. They're very difficult to get along with. And, and that's the point here. Whereas if you go to the pool, if you think that that's something you should be able to do, then there's an awkwardness. Oh, please don't ask me to play. Don't ask me to play. Why? Why? Because I, I, don't, I don't so what so you don't know how? So you've never played pool, what's the big deal? Adam and Chava, when they first had this sense of nakedness, they had no reason to believe that they should be anything else. They had no reason to believe that they should be anything else after they ate from the eight sadas, after they ate from the tree. Then they had an awareness of what they could have become, they had an awareness of what they should have become, and now they are no longer there. They were supposed to connect with their intellect, not their emotion. They were supposed to connect with their understanding of right and wrong. And now they're connecting with their desire. And that gave them a sense of, whoa, I'm connected to the body. The body is not who I should be. I need to cover that up. So So too, when you're a child, you're never supposed to forget anything. Not supposed to forget anything. So you walk back in the doctor's office, they're all gonna know that I forgot something. That's embarrassing. No, you're allowed to forget things. It's human. So the fact that I walk in and I forgot my keys, it wasn't embarrassing to me. My poor daughter, she devastated. When we do things for ulterior motives, that is going to affect our decisions, That's going to affect our health in terms of how we live life. And Tignashi Soho is saying, anytime there is any ulterior motive other than it's the right thing to do, whether that ulterior motive is externally, put upon us because of an image that we've created, or whether that ulterior motive is even something as altruistic as a relationship with Hashem going to Olam Haba, getting them to heaven, that's also going to put a negative effect on our decision-making process, because we're going to start making decisions based on something other than, is it the right thing to do, Period. So, Antigna Shi Sokho is starting off with make sure that you have clear what is the meaning and the cause that you want to dedicate life towards. And every time you make a decision, that's the impetus, period. Is it the right thing to do? Put aside all petty nonsense, that's a given putting aside petty nonsense, but all the way up to put aside any ulterior motive whatsoever. And Rav used to give a beautiful example. The great example I already gave is when you do things for your children, don't do it because of the wonderful relationship, hopefully, that it will cultivate between you and your child. Hopefully. I mean, as a parent, that's, that's a hope. But that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because... It's something that it's the right thing to do. Imagine you go to a lecture. Imagine you go to a she'er, and the rabbi giving the she'er is someone of extreme prominence. It's not me. It's someone of serious, serious magnitude. From Shmuel Kamenetsky comes to town. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him, but he's one of the gadolim, one of the great ones of our generation, and you're standing. In the back of the room, and as he walks in, he turns to you and he says, Would you mind, before I give the shear, could you go get me a glass of ginger ale? Of course. <laughs> and you run in the kitchen. They don't have ginger ale. Like, oh, Okay. And so now you're running around and you find him. You manage to find him. You go to the neighbor. You get ginger ale. You come back and you go to the front. You go to Rob Shmuel and you come back, back to your seat. And there's someone in the back of the room, a very dignified looking person, walks over. And he says, that was so nice. I watched what you were doing. You had, that was amazing. You know what? I would really like to compensate you for that. And pulls out a dollar. Yeah. it It ruins it it's 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 (laughs) it's an insult what are you talking about instead he says you know what that was so impressive I would really like to give you a gift and write you a check for $10,000 you know what I'll take the insult (laughs) I'll take the insult (laughs) but that's not why I did it now you happen to he's giving a five part series He's here for a week. He's giving a five-part series. You go to all five parts. And he walks in and he sees you and he says, Oh, that ginger ale was perfect. You had the right amount of ice. Could you get me that glass of ginger ale again? Absolutely, Rav You run and you get him the glass of ginger ale. And you come back in the ginger ale and there's that gentleman again. He walks over to you again and he says, I can't believe it. Two nights in a row. And he gives you another $10,000. This is your week. (laughs) The fifth night of the class, he's done it four nights in a row. The fifth night of the class, Rav Shmuel walks in and he asks you to get the glass of ginger ale. Now, why why are you doing it? Do you look over to see if he's there? (laughs) Before you answer, Rav Shmuel, do you look over to see if he's there? Now, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Are you going to get reward? Absolutely. The reward we're going to get for doing mitzvahs pay, makes $10,000 look infantile, looks like the dollar bill. It's an insult to even think about. But that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because it's right. We're doing it, we're getting the drink because it's my pleasure to do the right thing. I'm doing it because I'm right. I'm doing it because it's meaningful. So much so that I should be willing to go to hell to do the right thing. If that would be such a case. Be willing to go through the fires of hell to do the right thing. That's why we do things. Not because of any benefit whatsoever. That is the first thing that Antigna Shisukh is telling us. And make sure every time we're doing things, we decide, is this the right thing? I promise you, this approach will help you in so many areas. In conflict getting in a a conflict with your spouse, with your co-workers, if you're not married, with your friends. Anytime you get in a situation where there's a conflict, if you just stop and say, what's the right thing to do here? It will help alleviate so much conflict in terms of dealing with things that are even more emotionally painful, raising children, shalom bias with your spouse, dealing with your parents in issues when things come up, which come up often. Stop and just say, what's the right thing to do? Not what's going to be simple, not what's going to make my life easy or more enjoyable. What's the right thing to do? The second thing that Antigonus says in this first statement, though, we haven't gotten to the second thing yet. The second thing that Antigonus said is something very puzzling at first. Without knowing the second statement of Antigonus, if all we had was the first statement of Antigonus, do not be like slaves that serve the master for the sake of the reward. In your own words, what would you think Antigonus is telling us? restate Antigonus in your own words.
1: There's two ways of understanding it. It's either be like, the, like his second statement, be like a slave that yeah. doesn't do that, or don't be a slave at all.
0: Ah. So Liz is correct that there's possibly two ways to understand this. However, only one of them is correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because whenever we learn Torah, especially when we're learning anything from Chazal going back to the times of the Gemara and the Mishnah, Anytime we're dealing with Tanoim, Amaroyim, and even past that, as low down the chain as what we refer to as Rishonim, going all the way down to people like the Rambam and Rashi and any of those generations, we say that every word they chose was very specific. <clears throat> if Antigonus was telling us to not be slaves, then he could have just said, Do not be like a slave that serves the Master. That's not what Judaism is about, period. And if he was telling us, don't do things for the reward, he would just say, Al-Mishamshin, minas pras he doesn't. He says, don't be like a slave that serves the master for the sake of the reward. The inference, therefore, is very clear that he's actually telling us to be a slave. And that's why I said that the mission is incredibly redundant. And even if you are correct, the second statement of Antigonus tells us that, that that's not the case. Because then he actually explicitly states, be a slave. In the second statement, Antigonus says it outright. Be a slave that serves the Master, not for the sake of a reward. Why in the world would Antigonus tell us to be a slave? But even greater than that, why would the Torah tell us to be a slave? The Torah tells us, Avadim to you, you're slaves. The greatest praise that the Torah gave to a human being was to Moshe Rabbeinu and Avram Avinu. And he called them both my slave. Avodai. evid Hashem. The slave to Hashem. It is clear that Hashem said in order for the Jewish people to become the Jewish people, a mandate needed to be they had to be slaves. We needed to be slaves in order to become the Jewish people. Why? Why? in Egypt? In Egypt. We had to go through the Egyptian experience. Why? Really?
1: Because that's so, that sounds very it's strange.
0: It's very strange. And
1: then that generation needed to die off in the desert, exactly so that they wouldn't have slave mentality. So uh, that seems very backwards.
0: Very backwards. Very backwards.
1: And also, like when Hashem blesses Abraham and tells him, "You're going to have a huge nation," but they're but they're going to go, they're going to be slaves. It's like when you read, you're like, "What is this? Right. Yeah.
0: So like let's try and understand family. this, and then we will hopefully have time to really delve into it. And in order to do that, we need to understand why was Avram told? that his nation needed to be slaves. If you go back and look at the story, it's one of the most perplexing stories in the Torah, not the most perplexing story by any means, but definitely one of the most perplexing stories. Because if you summed up that story, it kind of puts Avram in a very peculiar light. Hashem comes along and says, your children will be this great nation, and Avram, the pillar of Emunah, the person that we look to to be the bastion of what it means to dedicate your life to Hashem says two words that are shocking. To put them colloquially in English, Avram says, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashem says, your children will be a great nation. And Avram says, Bameida! <laughs> How do I know? God Almighty oh. comes to you. God Almighty comes to you and says, listen, I promise you, I'm going to do good by you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I trust you, God. <laughs> uh,
1: that's he, was ready to, uh, he was ready to sacrifice. He was ready to sacrifice.
0: How do I know that's true? No, that's before. That's afterwards. But. Uh, uh, when was the part
1: right. when Hashem um, saw his cock? that part when What's that? When, um, when Hashem promised Abraham something and Hashem saw it as a tzedakah he saw
0: yeah it. that's that Parsha yeah. <laughs>
1: was it, it from what he said about this or was it about something else
0: Abraham saw that it was stuck and not Hashem oh okay yeah oh, right, right, right. right, right. Avram based on his answer right. <laughs> if you go look and we don't have time to go through but take the time if you like go through the verses read the psukim and you'll see what I'm telling you is true Avram was not doubting HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is not plausible to think that Avram Avinu doubted HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Avram Avinu was a person that from point one was willing to go into a pit of fire and kill himself. Because of his clarity of Hashem's existence. You have to understand that. The story of the Pillar of Fire, if anyone's not familiar with it, I don't have time to tell it tonight. But you should go read the story of the Pillar of, of the Pit of Fire, not the Pillar of Fire, the Pit of Fire with Nimrod, where Avram was told, Bow down to the fire, I'm throwing you in the fire. And Avram said, You'll have to throw me in the fire. It is absolutely clear to me that Avram thought he was going to die. Avram was not standing there going, oh sure, throw me in the fire, God will save me. God hadn't spoken to him yet. As far as Avram was concerned, my life is going to end now. I'm going to die because I will not do something that is false. And you're going to have to kill me. And a miracle happened. Mm -hmm. And he survived. Yeah, whoa, that's (laughs) Avram. So you're telling me that that's the same man that now stands there, that God's speaking to him. Talking directly to him And says I promise you Your nation will be great And Abram says Wait I, mean, I, don't, I don't know God <laughs> No
1: he's saying Give me a sign It's kind of like A sign but, yeah, God's but, yeah, talking but, yeah, to him He's questioning himself isn't he? he's Maybe not, a sign to pass no,
0: on to his you're children You're so close You put the two of you together He was questioning his children Yeah um, It's not me, God, and it's not you. You and me, we're in this together. I'll die right now if you ask me to. But how do I know my children, my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, how do I know that they're gonna hold this baton? If you go look at the story, Abraham's saying, "Ah, Hashem, you think I care about money? You think I care about my legacy? About me, I care about the mission, the cause. What's the cause? The cause is I'm dedicating my life that the world knows you exist. And I'm not going to live forever. Someone's going to have to take that baton and carry it. Who's that going to be? My children. You're telling me I'm going to have children. Great, because I was concerned it was Eliezer. Eliezer, and he he can't do it. Eliezer can't do it. He's not going to carry the baton. Because Eliezer, it'll just last with him and it'll no more. That was what Avram was saying. It will last with him and no more. So my children, great. My children will go to their children, to their children, to their children. Okay, now it'll last. But who says it'll last? Who says it'll last even beyond that? How do I know my children will hold up to this mission? Maybe they will stray. Maybe they will get confused and misguided. And Hashem says, no problem. They're going to be slaves in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> and Avram goes, oh, Okay. And Avram goes, okay! <laughs> How's that an answer? The only way to understand that is to understand what was Hashem doing? What was Abram's question and what was Hashem's answer? And to understand that, we have to ask a very difficult question. So try, ladies, to just for a moment put aside any... Connotation that we have because of our historical perspective of the word slave. Forget the word slave and what historically it means to us, etc., etc. But what positive aspect could you possibly see from a slave?
1: having purpose very
0: clear well it's more than purpose it's much more than purpose you're right but it's even stronger it's even stronger and therefore what if there's one thing about a slave well all your needs are taken care of yes that's true tell me someone someone someone, someone who's in charge of a slave what are they called? What's the English term for master. some uh, put well, yeah, that's true. That's someone who owns a slave. Someone who owns a slave is the master. But the person out there on the field. Wow. What is that? Very good.
1: Slave driver.
0: That tells you something very, very insightful. What's the essence of a slave? Someone who is driven. A slave is driven. A slave has no choice but to do the work that is told to him to do. But I'm tired. But I don't feel like it. I need a break. I'm not interested in this. This doesn't feel good to me to do. All of those things are irrelevant. (laughs) You do it because we say you do it. That's a slave. Now, when one is a slave in the connotation that we are familiar with, that's a negative thing. Because that means we are driven by external forces that are not to our choosing. We are driven by external forces that are not to our benefit. We are driven by external forces that are actually to our detriment. (laughs) But the essence of a slave is one who is driven. Avram Avinu was asking, Hashem, how do I know that my children... Will hold on to this mission. And Hashem says, No problem. I understand your question. But you have to understand, Avram, because of that remnant of doubt that you just had, there was an inkling of doubt that you just had. That inkling of doubt will grow and grow and grow over time, over generations. And as that, 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 that,
1: that doubt because he in Hashem,
0: that inkling important. of doubt that he had in Hashem. So it was his It doing? was definitely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks. yeah.
1: Thanks, all right. Yeah. No, because of don't we you all
0: th- feel th- that way? That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Because of, and you have to understand, Avram, we're talking Avram, Avram's inkling of a doubt. Avram was right. It's my kids. I'm not doubting you, Hashem. I'm doubting my kids. <clears throat> but, But you are doubting Hashem, because Hashem says it will happen, which means it doesn't really matter what your kids want. (laughs) It doesn't matter what they think. I will see to it that they stick to the mission. Trust me. And Avram should have said, oh, okay, I don't know how you're going to do that, God, because I got, you know, I don't have kids, but I have kids. I don't know how you're going to do that. If I was standing there, I'd go, God, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I would actually say, God, you got it. Actually, I would say the words, prove it. (laughs) But Avram. Avram was like, okay, I don't doubt you in the slightest, God, but I doubt my children. I doubt humanity. And Avram, that minuscule essence of doubt, Avram should have understood. If God says it will happen, it will happen. Period. But that doubt that Avram has over time, over generations, will grow and grow and grow. So
1: can we blame anti-Semitism on Avram? Because they say that
0: anti-Semitism is the the We can blame things. anti I mean, well, we can blame anti-Semitism on Torah, uh, but I mean, I don't know if if Avram, because the, the, the Gemara says why is why is Har Sinai be called Har Sinai, because Sina, Yardula Olam, mm-hmm. because Sina came to the world on that day. But it's
1: different uh, letters. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it sounds the same.
0: Sounds the course same. Course. You are correct, and the Gemara asks uh, the Gemara asks about letter when a word sounds the same. When the word sounds the same in Judaism, you're allowed to make a drush, it's called. Okay. It's, it's, it's a drush, it's not, but it's, it's part of the aspect. Because Why is it called Sinai? Because Sinai came down to the world on that day. The reason that they hate us is because we have the Torah, period. So that would have happened irrespective of Avram. Over time, that doubt grows and grows and grows. And as that doubt grows, the Jewish people can very easily go astray. And so Hashem says there's only one thing that I can do now to rectify that is I have to put in the DNA of a Jew because Egypt, remember Egypt was the birth of the Jewish people. That was the womb of the Jewish people. That was where we were being cultivated, being created and the exodus is the actual, is the birth. It's the birth canal. That Egypt was the womb of of the Jewish people and in the womb you know, all kinds of studies of what goes on in the womb external forces have an effect on the child Judaism says that emphatically but now studies today say that that's true I mean it affects if you play music when you're pregnant all of these things talk to the baby when you're pregnant all of these things all kinds of studies show and Hashem was saying this is now in the DNA of the Jewish people you know what that DNA is? driven the essence of a Jew the essence of a Jew is driven a Jew is never satisfied a Jew always wants more The Jew always is this it is this all there is there's got to be more that is because we are driven now that drivenness can be positive and negative like anything in life anything in life is either positive or negative depending on how it's used and in which direction it is facing we could be driven for the wrong things but we are driven but and
1: the slave is doing it because he's just trying to avoid the the whipping he's not like right. oh i really want to build this pyramid exactly really exactly
0: and yeah. that's that that and i said that no. you are absolutely correct i said that that this slave that we are associating with is a negative slave because that's being driven from an external force that is not to our benefit. That is being driven by an external force that's to our detriment. However, the aspect of being driven that Antigonus is saying, that's something that you should embrace. The reason that it ended up, as, as Rena pointed out, the, the negative aspect of the slavery had to be eradicated from the Jewish people. That had God has to put the driven into the DNA. That's Egypt. Now that we've left Egypt, okay, now I need you to get rid of the negative aspect of that drivenness. Got it. Okay. But the drivenness, that's got to be in your DNA. And the only way to do that... That's and you for to hold on to free will, and for you to hold on to free will, I'm just gonna not plug it in there. It's got it's gotta come from an external source. You messed up, Avram. And you messed up. You shouldn't have said Bameida. Now, as great as you are, that's the beauty of our Torah. Our our leaders, our avos are not infallible. We don't believe in the Papal rule. <laughs> we believe that they had made this week's parsha. Yitzhak made a mistake. Yitzhak made a mistake. Don't you think so? they had to go into Egypt to have that driven put into their DNA. Then they had to go through the 40 years of the desert to have the negative thing taken away. But the drivenness had to remain. So Antigonus is telling the Jewish people, you know what it means? To go through this world and to try and live the right way, get rid of all uh, ulterior exterior motives. Get rid of them all. Even if they are the most altruistic ulterior motives. I want to get to heaven. I want a relationship with Hashem. Wrong. You want to do what's right and what's meaningful. And once you realize that, driven to do that. Driven. Internally. Driven. Driven. I mean, gosh, you go, on, you go online and you can see every, everybody's got all kinds of banners about this. You know? like the, the concept of being, going the extra mile, being driven. It's, it's, it's considered a beautiful thing when it's got a picture of a, you know, someone from Nike. But Judaism says it. Oh, no, 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 that's negative. No, we should be driven for meaning. Not externally, internally. We should be driven. Insatiable. We should be insatiable. For meaning.
1: So that's why they got the Torah when they got the Torah, because the Torah is what is the guide that shows them what's right and what's not. That's right.
0: So I, I I could see several of you have questions. If I have some time, let's I, I want to get through the Mishnah. Let me get through the Mishnah and I promise I'll try and leave a few minutes for questions. Now that we understand that Antigonus is telling us an unbelievable foundational outlook on life. Figure out what's meaningful, figure out what your cause is, and become insatiable to get it. That's it. Never satisfied. I don't want contentment in life. Contentment is death. Always want more but want more meaning. Always want more. Want more what? Want more accomplishment. Never be satisfied. Be driven. Become a slave. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu was an Eved Hashem. He was a slave to Hashem. If that's the case, then why in the world does Antigonus need to tell us that again? So the reason Antigonus needs to tell us that again is to tell us that you really become you want to become an Eved Hashem And this, again, is an incredibly lofty, lofty level. You see, Azwini, you said so importantly that the only way for us to know what's meaningful and what is accurate is to realize that the Torah tells us what's meaningful. The Torah gives us the instruction manual for what is meaningful. And yet the Torah tells us that if you do this, you will go to heaven. You'll get olam haba. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit difficult Mm -hmm. to say that you're deciding what's meaningful Based on the Torah, and the Torah is telling you that there's reward that's going to come to you, and Antigonus is saying that, well, don't think about that. So obviously, the first statement of Antigonus is, you should definitely think about it. You should definitely be aware of it. Know that they are doing this, and you're going to get reward. Know that doing this is going to be to your benefit. That's the analogy of getting the glass of ginger ale for Rav Shmuel. You're going to get that check. And that check is going to be astronomical. But that's not why you're doing it. Don't look over there to see if the check's there. Do it because it's the right thing to do. And know that you're going to get reward. Know it. So then what's the second statement? The second statement is, but if you really, really want to become an Ebed Hashem, and again, this is just a level that we can only dream of, I believe. I don't know how many of us can even think that this is plausible. We have to get to a point where we're not even aware of it. And Rav Nauk gave an example as the following. He says, imagine the following, no one in this room should this ever apply to. When you go to get the glass of ginger ale for Rav Shmuel, as you know, you're wondering, is the guy there with the check? And that's fine, <laughs> but you're not doing it for that reason. Rahman al parent has a child, falls into the pool. The child doesn't know how to swim. An infant falls in the pool. The parents in the kitchen, somehow the kid got out the back door. This is how it always happens. And here's a splash. Oh my gosh, how the kid runs. Not, dives in the pool, grabs the kid, pulls the kid out. Your next door neighbor sees you do this and is so amazed that your lightning reflexes write <laughs> you a know, $50,000 check. You know, I, I want to pay for you to put up more security, you know, a bit nicer fence, better locks. <laughs> then, <laughs> take the 50000 <laughs> Yeah, I could use better locks. Take the 50000 Okay, God forbid... You order the fence, and they're coming next week. Two days later, the kid gets out again. Not you, someone else, God forbid you, someone else. The kid gets out again, and you hear a splash. I don't care if this happens 50 times. Not once, not once will you ever look next door to see if he's there watching. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Antigonus is saying that's the way we should feel about doing the will of Hashem. Now, that is an incredibly lofty level, but that's what Antigonus is telling us. Because otherwise, it's incredibly redundant. And Antigonus is not going to say something for no reason. He's telling you that the first part of the Mishnah says, be a slave. Be a slave for meaning. Be a slave for meaning. And don't do it for the reward. But the reward's there. And you're going to get it. Hashem says, if you do it, it's going to be good for you. Rain in its seasons. Everything will be beautiful. Aboteach ba Hashem chesed the the Navi says. That someone who lives with the munim batachan and does things because they're the right thing, because God said so, chesed <laughs> Yisovevenu. Chesed will surround that person. It's it will like be good. The
1: word is in this world.
0: It's in both. Beliefs. Yeah, that's 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 not. We don't have time to discuss it. But yes, it's supposed to be. It is supposed to be in both worlds. Yeah, we don't have time to delve into that. But the yeah, we're supposed to be living in Ghan Eden, in this world. Uh, It's not the way it is right now for a variety of reasons. The greatest one of them all is because we're in gullus, We're in exile. And things will not be the way they're supposed to be as long as we're in exile. And hopefully that will end soon. Um, That is what Antigonus is telling us. That we should be aware that there is indeed reward. And we're going to get it. But if you really want to be an Eved Hashem you really want to get to that level where the reward is mind-boggling you don't even think about it which brings us to the third statement that Antigna says which seems to turn the whole thing upside down which seems to just turn everything I just said inside out because what is the last thing Antigna says the last thing Antigna says is Mm -hmm. and let the fear of heaven be on you Now, there is only one way and one way only to understand what fear is. Reward and punishment. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's no other way to understand fear. If you think fear is anything other than reward and punishment, then you don't understand what fear is. So why in the world would Antigonus go out of his way to say, forget about reward, and then finish off and say, but let the fear of heaven be on you. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: It sounds to me like it's saying when you act this way, then it will naturally occur because you're so (coughs) intrinsic
0: to do the right thing. Yeah, but that would have been self-understood and and he wouldn't be telling you this as a commandment. He's telling you to do this. He's telling you, and let the fear of heaven be on you.
1: Because he knows how people are.
0: Oh, what do you mean?
1: That it's a very high Madriga to say being Evan Hashem, and, but he knows most people won't reach that level, so he's trying to instill something that will actually work. He's covering all bases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's a realist? <laughs> yeah. Antigonus yeah. is a realist? <laughs> I, I don't know if Antigonus is a realist after he tells us you, know, you should aspire to be like Avram Avino, <laughs> even above Avram Avino. You know what he's saying? He's not not a realist. He's actually saying, be real. He's saying, be real. Let the fear of heaven be upon you. He doesn't say, do it for fear. He says, let it be on you. Let it be present. In other words, be real. How many times have we said to ourselves the following two words? I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. And in so many instances... Sadly, I can't was nothing more than I don't feel like it. We surround ourselves with a litany of I can'ts when it just doesn't suit our purpose, our desires, our feelings, but when it was something that we cared about oh and all of a sudden we managed to break through all barriers Mm -hmm. I don't have any time I just I just I don't have time for that I'm sorry I wish I could but I don't have any time wow how many YouTube videos did you watch this week Mm -hmm. but you don't have any time Mm -hmm. but you probably saw the cat going around on the little vacuum cleaner mover (laughs) you had time for that everybody has time for the cat and the vacuum cleaner mover but I I don't have time I'm sorry I don't have time It's amazing how we can when there's some selfish motivation. And sometimes that selfish motivation is nothing other than to indulge my laziness. Mm -hmm. But the greatest test for I can't is, it's just the ultimate litmus test. And if it doesn't work for you, then come up with one that does. Next time you say I can't, ask yourself if the guy was standing there with the check... Mm -hmm would I say I can? Because if I can, because the guy's there with a the check, then it means I can. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And everything else that I'm saying, but I can't, I can't, I can't, is nothing other than an excuse. And Tignus Yisruch is saying, you want to really live life, figure out what your cause is, Figure out what your meaning is, figure out what you're willing to dedicate your life to, and then be driven, insatiable. Don't ever stop, don't ever be content, don't ever be complacent when it comes to life. Always want more, and be aware that there's going to be incredible reward for anyone that lives their life this way. But that's not why you're doing it. But be real, be real. When you're deciding whether or not you can do this, be real. Let that fear be there. Let that fear just help you clarify whether you can. And then go and do it. That's not why you're doing it. It's helping you be real. That's what Antigonus is telling us.